attention to himself. The Spirit's ministry is to point to Jesus. To take of what is his and bring it to Jesus. The Holy Spirit likes to make much of Jesus. Now I realize we live in a day and age oftentimes we like to make much of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is God. But my Bible teaches me the Holy Spirit makes much of Jesus. A servant's heart isn't attention-seeking. As Pastor Daniel describes the servant of Abraham today, we'll find a parallel between his role and what our own attitude should be. Like the servant who seeks a bride for the son, our role as the bride of Christ is to draw people to the lover of their souls. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 23, verse 5, with his continuing study entitled, Sarah and Rebecca. in verse 7 then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land the sons of Heath and he spoke with them saying if it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight hear me and meet with Ephron the son of Zohar for me that he may give me the cave of Machpelah which he has which is at the end of his field let him give it to me at the full price as property for a burial place among you. Now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heath, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heath, all who entered at the gate of his city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of the people. I give it to you, bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land, and he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, If you will give it, Please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham saying to him, my Lord, listen to me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. Now, what's going on here is this is the way they negotiated in that day. They said, listen, you can have the land. Abraham said, thank you very much. This is the land I want. It's interesting that Abraham knew what he wanted. He knew he wanted Ephraim's, the Hittite's, cave on the edge of his field, the cave of Machpelah. He had already noticed it. He's like, hey, that would be a great place. So he says, listen, let's go get Ephraim, the Hittite. We'll talk to him. And all the men of the city are there. And, he, and, and the dance begins. Abraham bows himself down to the ground. Hey, I would like your cave. Ephraim, the Hittite's like, well, listen, great, I'll give it to you. Take it. That's what he's saying. Take it. He even says, it's worth 400 shekels, but take it. Now, in America, someone would be like, thank you very much, and I'll take it for free. That's the way Americans roll, but not in the Near East. They didn't roll that way. That, this is the way he did it, saying, I want this land. Oh, you can have it for free. He wasn't really giving. He's like, it's worth this much, but I'll give it to you for free. But notice how Abraham responds to all this. Then Abraham listened to Ephron. This is verse 16. And Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heath 400 shekels of silver, 
the currency of the merchants. So the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, which were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heath, before all who went in at the gate of the city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heath for as property for a burial place. Now, it's interesting here because I don't know about you, when I read this, and I remember the first time I read my Bible, I thought, to myself, why are we taking a chapter on this whole thing? Do you ever wonder that? Like, so, so what's the big deal? I mean, so he wants to buy the land. They go through this whole song and dance. The guy says, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. But it's worth 400 pieces of silver, shekels of silver. And Abraham's like, okay, wait, is that the 400 shekels? And then they go on and on over and over again that the land was deeded to Abraham. And you say to yourself, what's the big deal about all this, right? Why is this in here? I mean, we just saw Abraham almost sacrificing his son. And we see this is all about Jesus. Right? And then you hear this whole story and you think to yourself, are you kidding me? Why is this in there? Let me explain to you why it's in there. Do you remember when God called Abraham, he promised him in effect three things, that I will be your God and you will be my people. And we've been seeing this now for 11 chapters. Second, he said, I will bless you and in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Right? And we saw that God blessed Abraham and Sarah with a son named Isaac. Right? Now, the third part of that was I'm going to give you a land. And very, this is the very first time now Abraham comes into possession, not of the totality of the promise, but the beginning of the promise. He just bought his first piece of property in the land that God had promised him. That's why this is important. You might say, well, listen, the whole thing being God, cool. Having a seed, cool. What's the big deal about the land? Because the eternal God who loves humanity realizes that in our sojourn here, making a life is not a bad thing. And God is faithful to that. God is faithful to help his people make a life. Now, does that mean that we all deserve 30 acres and a mansion? No. What it means is that God has promised to help you make a life. I joked with myself and just with myself about calling this message, get a life. And I mean, it's kind of like obnoxious way to say it, but the reality is, is that God is interested in us making life, having a life in him. And God is faithful unto that end. It never looks the way We imagined it. Do you think Abraham, back in Genesis 12, when God promised him a land, did he think, yeah, I'm going to get my land, but when my wife dies? Do you think that was on his five-year plan? Like, God promised me a land. It's going to be great. I'm going to have a great spread. I'm going to have fig orchards and olive orchards, and I'm going to have all this irrigation. You can imagine the plans that Abraham has, but the very first time he finally gets a piece of land in the promised land that God had told him, it's when his wife died. And it costs 400 shekels of silver. See, God is faithful to his promise. God's faithful. Oftentimes, 
God's faithfulness. We think he's unfaithful because we're expecting things God never promised in the first place. But God is faithful to Abraham. Now, as we move into chapter 24, it's not by chance. In chapter 23, we see the first matriarch, Sarah, dying. And in chapter 24, we see Isaac getting a bride. That's why this is in here. We're seeing the transition from Abraham and Sarah now to Isaac and Rebekah. And what's fascinating is this is one of the longest chapters in the book of Genesis. They take 67 verses to explain the story. And it's interesting that oftentimes when you read it, you think to yourself, why is this so long? I mean, couldn't we tell the story in 30 verses? But I have come to a settled belief that when the Holy Spirit decides that we need a lot of information about something, there's a reason for it. It needs to be this way in order for us to understand the things that God wants us to understand. And it's all about seeing Isaac and Rebekah as the next in line. It's also interesting that the overarching story is we see Rebekah as another Abraham who is leaving the family of Terah and moving to where God has promised to place the lineage of Abraham. So in some ways, Rebekah is functioning as a second Abraham who is being summoned by God to a new life in a new place under the blessings of God. So let's jump right in in verse 1 of chapter 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh. And we all say, huh? Can you imagine that? I didn't call you into my office. Here, put your hand under my thigh. And everyone would be calling the police. <laughs> I promise I won't do that. I was like, I'm not making an appointment with Pastor Daniel. Forget this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Pray for me. I have mental problems. <laughs> Abraham calls his oldest servant. Most people would say, although he doesn't, he's not named here, that this is Eliezer of Damascus. We had heard about Eliezer of Damascus previously because in Genesis chapter 15, he says, Abraham says to the Lord, Oh Lord God, what will you give me since I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? So Eliezer of Damascus was the head of his home, the, the number two guy in the house. And so most people would believe that this is Eliezer of Damascus. Now, somebody will say, well, Pastor Dan, you always say that if it doesn't say it, then we'll say silent on it also. I think no matter what, if it is Eliezer of Damascus, it's not by chance that he's not named here either. When we saw why it didn't say Isaac returned, and I made the point that this is part of a greater story of another father God offering a greater son, Jesus, in the same area. And Jesus was a worthy sacrifice. And I said that the next time we find out about, next time we meet Isaac, Jesus resurrected, is when his bride is being presented to him. Now think about this. Abraham doesn't send his son to go get a bride. He sends his servant 
and a servant who doesn't draw attention to himself. Who's that a picture of? The Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit does not draw attention to himself. The Spirit's ministry is to point to Jesus, to take of what is his and bring it to Jesus. The Holy Spirit likes to make much of Jesus. Now, I realize we live in a day and age, oftentimes we like to make much of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is God. But my Bible teaches me the Holy Spirit makes much of Jesus. Not himself. The Holy Spirit isn't like some radically narcissistic third person of the Trinity. Notice me, notice me. So it's not by chance that the servant is nameless here. Because the servant's job is to go fetch a bride for the son, the promised son. And if you think about that, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. It's to help us realize that we are wedded, covenanted to the Son. And the Holy Spirit's ministry is to empower us to live out that life and to help others realize that they are His. To draw people to the lover of their souls. So it's fascinating not by chance that the servant is nameless because the servant has a job. So Abraham calls the servant and he says, please put your hand under my thigh. Now, I mean, I laugh because it's totally weird, but this was a Near Eastern custom. We see it again in Genesis chapter 47. It was a so-called, they call it the bodily oath. And the significance of the hip the idea is under your leg. That's where your power is. So by putting your hand under their thigh, you're saying, look, by all of your vital power, I'm going to do this. Now, I know it's weird, and I'm kind of grateful that we just roll with a handshake and an email. But hey, it's a different culture, you know. But this is how they did it. He put his hand under his, under his thigh. Look what he says in verse 3. And I will make you swear... By the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying, to your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. So you see what's going on here. Abraham's saying, look, I want you to go and I want you to grab a wife for my son. And the servant, he's smart. He's thinking, what if I go all the way down there and the woman won't come? Should I take Isaac back with me? And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't bring my, don't bring my son back there. And he said, if you find her and she won't come, then you're released from the oath. And the servant's like, okay, I can do this. It's interesting. Abraham did not want his son to marry a daughter of the Canaanites. 
Now, I realize that there are some, I had a couple of people come up and said, well, my mom was a solid Christian. She married an atheist. He got saved, and now he's a great pastor. And I said, man, that's, man God is pretty awesome with that. But we shouldn't make the exception of the rule, the rule. The Bible teaches, and I had talked about this on Sunday. I did my best to be very clear about this. The Bible teaches that not any guy or gal will do. That we should be waiting, if you're single, for God's best and not accept any substitutes. It's too important. Abraham wasn't even playing around. He's like, I do not want my son to be marrying one of these women who do not know my God. He's like, don't do it. No way. No way. Don't do it. So he makes this oath. Now, again, don't forget, if you have questions, text them in, tweet them in. CCC patriarchs, don't forget. Let's keep going here. Verse 10. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hands. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor, and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. And you like this. So he travels there. He brings 10 camels. He shows up as a well where all the gals show up. And he's thinking to himself, okay, he's putting himself in a good position here. He's, he's using his brain. Now look at what happens. We pick up here. He starts praying in verse 12. Oh, Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw. Now, let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now, I need to make a point here. The well is a great place to find a bride. It happens a lot in the Bible. Now, what's the well? I would say that in our day and age, the well is church. It's where we drink deep of the wells of salvation, the water of the word. You guys, the best place to find your wife is in a worship service. The girl you want to marry is going to be a worshiper. You gals, if you're single, ignore all the guys at church. Just focus on the main attraction, which is Jesus. And I guarantee you, gals, if you are just loving on Jesus, you're going to have lots of guys who are going to be interested in who you are. And a guy who's not interested in who you are because you're a radical Jesus-worshiping girl, you don't want to be with that guy anyway. Can I get some amens for that? I mean, come on. I'm really enjoying this servant because he, there's two things that are going on. This servant comes and says, you know, God of my master Abraham, hook me up today. I'm like, I'm all the way here. And know what he does? He prays a specific prayer. He says, look, I'm going to ask somebody for water. And I want her to say to me, not only will I give you water, but I'll give your 10 camels water too. Because what's he looking for? He's looking for a servant. He's not looking for a girl who'll be like, give you water. I'll break my nail. You know? And just so you know, camels could drink a lot of water. So water and 10 camels was not like a small gig. 
So he's like, he wants a gal who will not only give him water, but also like rotor till the yard. You know, it's like, that's, that's a job. You know, like a, like a, like a gal with a jackhammer, like, you know, getting the concrete broken up. This is his request. I mean, he, he wants a girl who's not just going to just do enough, but who's going to go the second mile. And know what I love about this? He keeps using this word kindness. And it's the Hebrew word hesed, which literally means covenant faithfulness, loving kindness. It's that word for the people that God has a covenant with. And he keeps saying, show my master Abraham this covenantal loving kindness, this hesed. That's a deep word in Hebrew. So he's saying, look, this is what I'm going to ask somebody for water, and I want her to be this radical servant girl. And then I'll know. When was the last time you prayed a specific prayer? When was the last time you asked God for exactly what you wanted to see him do? You know what the radical thing about specific prayer is? Is that when God answers it, you're just like, your jaw's on the floor. Like someone's got to come and like, you know, lift up your jaw for you. Me and Lynn just had something like this just recently where there was all these things. We're like, Lord, it has to be this and this. And when God answers those type of prayers, you're just like, wow. Like, holy smokes, Lord. Like, you hear my prayers. So I want to encourage you. Pray specific prayers. Ask God for the things that you're wanting. Now, again, we ask God for what we want, and we always say, Lord, this is what I want, but what do you want, Lord? And if where I'm off, will you adjust my heart to yours? But don't be scared to ask for specific prayers. In verse 15, it says this, And it happened before he had finished speaking. Don't you love that? And it happened before he had even finished speaking, that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. And she said, drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. And she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all the camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So before he's even done praying, which means that God sent this woman long before this servant even started to ask God for anything, before he's even finished with his four-sentence prayer, she's there, he sees her, and it's interesting is that Rebecca is drop-dead gorgeous. That is what verse 16 means. She was a young woman. She was very beautiful to behold. She was a virgin. She had not known a man. She was young. She was beautiful. And she was pure. Jesus is real. Abraham chose a faithful and humble servant to find a wife for his son. As Pastor Daniel explained, the servant was like the Holy Spirit whose job was to go fetch a bride for the promised son. The servant went out and prayed that he would find the woman when she drew water for him. We can ask specific things as well. 
Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus Is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus Is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus Is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, we'll find out what happens when Abraham's servant finds the woman he's been looking for, his prayer answered. We'll find out more about what kind of woman Rebecca must be and how her family reacts to the news. The servant explains what brought him, but his mission will nearly fall through when Rebecca's family gets involved. That's all coming up next time on Jesus Is Real Radio. Jesus is real. 